Welcome to Ed Leader with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Join Dr. Jackson for conversations and reflections on improving educational leadership from the classroom to the boardroom and beyond. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Jackson, and I want to thank you for spending time with me today. As the Ed Leader podcast and the Ed Leader community continues to grow around the world, I've been recharged by the amazing Ed Leaders we have encountered who are meeting new and novel challenges with innovation and flexibility. In a world of social distancing and remote learning, one area that we have not talked a lot about is what this has meant for school libraries and media centers. Today's guests are meeting the challenges of keeping media centers safe and finding innovative ways of keeping books in the hands of students. I can't wait for you to meet them. Let's get to it. Today, I'm honored to be joined by two guests, each an outstanding media specialist who is impacting the lives of students and teachers on a daily basis. My first guest is Mrs. Emily Golightly, who serves as the media specialist at Newport Elementary School, a school serving grades kindergarten through fifth grade in Newport, North Carolina. A former classroom teacher, this is her 17th year in education. She's taught kindergarten, first, second, and third grades, reading and math intervention, and English to speakers of other languages before becoming a media coordinator. She received her bachelor's degree from East Carolina University in elementary education. She completed a master's degree in teaching English as a second language through the University of North Carolina at Wilmington and is currently pursuing a second master's degree in media and library sciences through Appalachian State University. I'm also delighted to be joined by Mrs. Amanda McCall, who serves as the media specialist at Moorhead City Primary School, a school serving grades pre-kindergarten through third grade in Moorhead City, North Carolina. She's also a former classroom teacher and also serving in her 17th year in education. She taught second grade for five years and third grade for 10 years. She's also served as an academically intellectually gifted specialist. She's a nationally board certified teacher. She graduated from East Carolina University with a bachelor's degree in elementary education and is currently attending North Carolina Central University to obtain a master's degree in library science. Both bring their experiences in the classroom to their work in the media center. Their flexibility and innovation in connecting students and teachers is making a difference. Please help me welcome media specialist Mrs. Emily Golightly and Mrs. Amanda McCall. Ms. McCall, Ms. Golightly, I am so absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity to spend some time with you to hear about the amazing work you're both doing and really just highlight the work of media specialists in this moment who are doing such great things. Welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're excited. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> you know, anytime I think about the media center, particularly the media centers that you work in, I do use words like fun and joy and happy. And I know that you both work really hard to create fun, joyful, happy places. How important is that to you, Ms. Golightly, in setting up the media center? 
that is my number one objective because especially this year and everything that kids and families and teachers have been through, I want this to be a safe place where they feel like their needs are met emotionally as well as with the literacy piece. And with a lot of lower socioeconomic students and children that struggle with literacy, you know, if they're happy and comfortable and feel safe in this space, they're more likely to want to be here. And if I can get them here, I can find a book they love. And that's that's what it's all about. I love that. Ms. McCall, tell us about your media center. Yeah, I mean, I, I have all the littles. So I'm kindergarten through third grade. And so, you know, you get there excited about learning, hopefully, a lot of the time. But for me, the biggest struggle is those kids that say that, you know, oh, I don't like reading or I don't like. And my theory is, well, if you don't like reading, we just haven't found the right book yet. So if I can entice them into the media center by looking at all these fun things that we have or all these exciting programs we have going on by dressing up in ridiculous costumes to make it exciting for them. Um, then I feel like kind of like Ms. Golightly said that I can, um, I'll find a book for them. And that's kind of just getting them in here and excited to be here is kind of the first step. So that's my goal. I, I love that because what I heard from both of you that was this confidence that if we get them in the media center, we will find the book they love. And of course we know that once we find them, that first book that they love, they become hooked on books and hooked on reading. And we absolutely want to encourage that and encourage literacy in all that we do. Well, in this moment, we are just about to approach the one year anniversary in our state of the pandemic and all that that has meant for education. There's been a lot of conversation, rightfully so, about how the pandemic has impacted classrooms. I'd like to talk for a few moments, though, about how the pandemic has impacted our media centers and the work of our media specialists and how innovative you've had to be. So, Ms. McCall, if you would, particularly for our listeners outside of North Carolina or even outside of the country, which still surprises me that we have listeners outside of the country. But tell us, what is life like in the media center uh, there at Moorhead City Primary School during the pandemic? Well, it's looked very different throughout the different phases of the pandemic. So I'll start by saying that and also looks very different in different media centers. But in our media center right now, it looks like um, we're still we're letting kids come to the library um, with classes for kind of part of their rotation, which is great. Um, it has it requires us to, as books come in, to quarantine them for three days and then wipe them down before putting them back out doesn't sound like um, a major thing, but it really is because typically the books that are coming in are books that the dog man and the diary would be kid and the books that kids are really wanting. And so when a child sees, I want that book. And I'm like, oh, well, well, it can't come for three days. And so kind of balancing that act out and figuring out the best way to do that. Um, we've also got students who are virtual. And so trying to make sure that we're giving them access to books as well and how we can um, have that connection with them and still provide those resources. Um, and on top of it, then rather than just the books, like being on that technology and, and trying to help with um, figuring that out for students and teachers and provide professional development on the newest programs and how to connect and um, all of that. So it, it, it's, a, it's a lot to think about and to keep going. <laughs> it truly is. And, and you mentioned the phases. And so in our state, we started out with all of our schools being closed. And then as we came into this school year, districts had the opportunity to attend on a hybrid model or fully face-to-face -face later in October. And so we have had many phases 
And even in our school system, we've had many phases during this school year, and we've had to adapt. Tell us, Ms. Golightly, about the Media Center there at Newport Elementary School and, and how you've kind of worked through the pandemic and all the phases. It has been a journey for sure. You know, a lot of the things that Ms. McCall mentioned, we're doing the same things here. You know, when we began the school year with cohorts A and B, you know, I was working with seeing both uh, the classes twice a week so I could see all of the kids, all of the cohorts. And so I was kind of scrambling from room to room on a cart full of books. And you would try to anticipate the books that kids may want and just do the best you could to have a good variety. But, you know, a cart is tiny. It's a baby library compared to 14,000 in this room. And so it was a real challenge. And so one of the things that I focused on with my kiddos was really teaching them how to use those digital tools to get access to what they wanted most. So we worked a lot in classrooms on how do you use Destiny Discover so you can place a hold request. And when I would come room to room, I would deliver those books that they specifically wanted because once they learned that system, they could ask for those books and it was easier. Um, So that was a big piece of it. And then two, just trying to be there for those virtual families that deserve access to books as well. You know, we set up a system where they too could use Destiny Discover, but for my little guys, like her age group, you know, that we have K-5. And so for those primary level kids, like the K-2, we used a book hub book request form that I kind of uh, piggybacked on the work of Shannon McClintock Miller, who is an amazing librarian. And she shared that uh, Google form and we kind of tweaked it and used picture cues for kids to select based on topics. Like I like books about animals or about fairies or princesses or dinosaurs. And so that helped them kind of get some things that they wanted as well. So their families could come pick up the books from the front of the school instead of having to come into the building and, and, you know, put themselves at risk if they didn't feel comfortable. So it's really just being flexible and finding lots and lots of ways to get those books in their hands. (laughs) That's got to be the word of the day and the word of the year is that flexibility. And I certainly appreciate hearing from both of you how flexible you've been with students who are all virtual or students who we're in the classroom and you had to take books on a cart or even students being able to come into the media center. And Ms. McCall, you mentioned the books coming back and having to wait three days and wipe them down, that sort of thing. And I find that very fascinating because there has been a lot of conversation around um, some schools are just now coming back to school face to face. And I'm sure there are schools where students haven't been in the media center yet and are preparing to. And so as you were sharing that, I was thinking, wow, there's obviously been some thought around safety procedures and wellness protocols in the media center. And so I just wonder, has has there been some conversation with media specialists uh, across the system, across the state, across the country around best practices, or, or where are you getting that information? Because I've not seen anything from the CDC on how to run a school library in a pandemic. <laughs> So where is that information coming from? Yeah, sure. So we, we've tried really hard, um, at least the media coordinators in our county, to, to meet at least once a month and kind of get on the same page. Um, and particularly the elementary librarians, because we're in kind of a different boat in those um, secondaries, because they're not on the same schedules as we are. So we talked a lot about what that was going to look like. And we took our kind of guidance from the ALA, the American Library Association, and what they were recommending, um, which was the three-day quarantine followed by the white down. So that's kind of where, where we started from with that. And it just continued until until we're told we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> so. And I will say, 
piggybacking on what she said, you know, it's not just the books, it's also shelf markers. You know, our children are now allowed to come in the library as well. It's wiping every table and chair that they sit at before the next group comes in. Just Mm -hmm. extra cautious because I considered a privilege when we were allowed to have kids in here again and have full access. So I am very careful because I don't want a kid to get sick on my watch or have it be part of my responsibility. So I would rather be overly cautious than let something slip, you know? Absolutely. And and that's been such a joy for me to watch as educators have really worked hard and gone overboard to do everything we can to keep our students and staff members safe. And, and I just appreciate that so very much. As I was um, listening to you, you mentioned the American Libraries Association and their recommendations. And so for our listeners, I will link those with the show notes so that you can quickly find that information if you're interested or if you're planning to open your media center very soon. One of the things that you both had to do and our media specialists throughout um, the state and country have had to do is be very innovative. And I've just been absolutely blown away by your innovation, the projects that you've been engaged in. And so I want to ask you each about a, a specific project and let you kind of talk about it and then any other projects you want to talk about, but just examples of innovation and how you had to be innovative. And so um, for this one, let's start with Ms. Golightly. Ms. Golightly, I had the opportunity to be a part of a mini grant presentation where you had reached out for some funding and were able to add peddlers to your media center. And that, of course, I'm just fascinated with. So I'll let you share with our listeners, what is a peddler and why was that an important addition to the media center? So that was through our local electric co-op. And I am so thankful for their support because it enabled me to provide some stools and peddlers, as Dr. Jackson mentioned, to be able to have ride and read stations. And within the library, I have four ride and read stations set up and hope to have more over time. And it's a spot where they can exercise their brain and their body simultaneously. As a teacher and parent and librarian, my concern was, you know, with the pandemic, but also just in general, kids are not as active as they once were. They're spending a lot of time indoors. And that social emotional piece and that physical activity piece, I think, are directly tied to their success. So I felt like if we had a place where they could do something like that, just get the wiggles out or for those kids that maybe just needed a little break from the classroom for a moment or just needed to stretch their legs, this gave them a place to go and do that. And so, you know, when they come in, they know that the, kind of the rules of the road are if you want to sit at a ride and read stool, that's a place where you're reading your book quietly and writing the whole time. It's not a place to kind of chit chat with your buddies. And so they know that's different than other areas of the library. But that is a hot ticket spot to be in in our library. Every time kids come in, whether it's with a class or individually, they make a beeline for those stools. And so I feel like it's been a worthwhile investment. And clearly the kids are showing that that need was there. And so I'm glad that we had the opportunity to make it happen. I, I love it. And um, I try not to be in my office too often, but I, I think I need one of those peddlers under my desk because I, would I could use it too. <laughs> enjoy that. Ms. McCall, I want to ask you about a project that I've been extremely fascinated with as well, and that is the STEM Lit Kits that you have introduced to the school and just seem to have taken off. Tell us about that project. Okay, great. So I got funded through the same organization, actually, that Ms. Golightly's did um, through our Bright Ideas grant, which they offer yearly and um, 
are very generous to do. And so one of the big concerns that I had going into this, and when I was when I was a classroom teacher before this, my biggest thing was parent engagement and family engagement and getting those parents and families on board and learning because to me, making that as a team effort is going to be what's best for the student. Well, now in this role, I have that opportunity still, but on a larger scale because of getting to work with the whole school. And so being that there's this big disconnect, especially with COVID now, I was trying to figure out a way that I could bring that connection between school and home as an opportunity and still be following those guidelines. And so we went and chose five titles and I purchased five copies of each title and I found kind of found slash created projects that are STEM-based, so science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and parents can go on and fill out a Google form, which is on our website, and we send it out through social media to check out one of these STEM kits, and then I take it and deliver it to the student. Student takes it home, and the family is added a set of directions in there, and the family reads the story together, so to build that love of reading, and then there's a project, a STEM-based project that goes along with it. We've included all the supplies in there, so they don't really need anything outside of what's in that bag, and when they're done, they bring it back, um, and it's been a great success so far. Um, I th- We encourage the families to send pictures, so that helps me with being able to show it on social media and kind of promote it and keep it going. We've had over 70 checked out at this point since January, um, and so we're looking to maybe do more. We weren't sure how it was going to go over, but it, it seems to have been a big hit, and families seem to really be enjoying it. There's an option on the on the direction sheet for them to give input or feedback if there's something they think would make it better or different. So um, I feel I'm super excited by the success we've seen with it. I tell you, as I've seen those pictures, I've just been absolutely delighted because the pictures show parents or loved ones working on this project with their children. And as you shared the importance of parent engagement, we know that the best chance for a student to be successful is when we have this almost three-legged stool between the student, the teacher, and the parent, or the student, the teacher, and the loved one. And when we really work well together, the stool functions the way it's supposed to, and students are successful. And so encouraging that engagement is is really a, a beyond the pandemic kind of need, and, and certainly something that's just exciting to see. Ms. Lightly, what are you doing there to encourage parent engagement or to encourage kids to continue to be involved in the media center uh, as we're going through this pandemic? Well, one thing that we started this year that has just been one of my favorite things is the virtual book club. So in the past, we have had Battle of the Books, and we do have a Battle of the Books virtual team this year, but it's different with COVID and not competing and, you know, limited um, uh, people participating just because it has to be in a virtual format. And so um, I had a lot of third graders that were coming to me, actually, and younger students that wanted to be a part of that, but it's a fourth and fifth grade opportunity. So I started a virtual book slash movie club, and it's all books that have been turned into movies. Once a month, we kind of make it special. We do it at seven o'clock on a Friday night, have a little Google meet. They can have their jammies and popcorn and whatever. And we talk about the book. We talk about the movie. We do little activities that go with it and just kind of have that conversation and camaraderie and connection that some kids are missing with the clubs not being available right now. So that has been one of the most special things because I really feel like I've had the chance to connect with kids that they may be fully virtual and I wouldn't necessarily see them otherwise. And, you know, I get to see families and we kind of get to meet them on their home turf where they're most comfortable. And so 
that's been a really fun opportunity to kind of just chat with kids and not an academic rigorous setting where they may feel pressure to do a certain thing or act a certain way. It's just, let's have some fun talk about what we read this month, you know, and what you think of the movie and no pressure to get to enjoy the time together. So it's been powerful. I love that. And I just love when we make connections for students, especially around literature and reading and really help them just see this literate life as something that's full and engaging. Ms. McCall, I know one of the things that you like to do is actually connect students with authors of the books and to offer that opportunity to build that connection. Tell us about how you do that and maybe why you do that, why that's important to be a part of your program. Yeah, sure. So my goal is for each year to connect the students, part of my library program with an author. And we are blessed to have a very supportive parental support system here at Moorhead Primary. And so through the Scholastic Book Fair, which we have two a year here, we get certain funds. And Scholastic was offering an opportunity to purchase a virtual visit with an author. And so I chose to use that for this group, for Sandra Markle, who did a who does a number of books that are geared towards this age group. And we really, um, I got staff on board with, read, with reading books to them and, and with getting them excited. And we tied it in with different technology aspects. And um, they sent 150 books for us to give out to different teachers or different classrooms. And so um, in February, earlier in the month, we got to have that connection where she met with the kids virtually. It was interesting trying to figure it out, but it all worked great. And she was fabulous. She did science experiments in it. And I think it's just really neat for the kids to be able to see that and to hear from a real author kind of what goes into that. For them to be able to ask questions about, well, you don't do the pictures. Who does do the pictures? And what gives you this idea? And when they hear from an author, well, I base it on kind of real life experiences. And for them to see that they could be someone just like that and that that and that the amount of time that goes into it for them to be able to ask those questions and understand that and just really understand and get that experience from somebody who's they've read all the books. They're just kind of fascinated with it. And when she's in her house, this particular time she's in her house and her husband's filming and so it's very real life. And she shows her book closet, which is, I mean, it's just really neat to see the kids reaction. Cause I think in their minds, it's one thing and it's really, she's just a normal person. And um, for them to be able to make those connections and see that that could be them one day is, is pretty special. It is absolutely special, and I absolutely love that. We have arrived in the month of March, and for us in our country, the first week of the month of March is Read Across America Week. We celebrate Read Across America Day, and it's really become, it may not be a national holiday, but in our elementary schools, it feels like one. And so I'm really excited as a a past elementary teacher about Read Across America always Ms. Golightly, what are you doing there to celebrate Read Across America Day and Read Across America Week? So we are doing a bulletin board door decoration contest and featuring literacy on those to kind of promote that and get the kids excited. Having different themed dress-up days that coincide with different books. to have some guest readers coming in and just really pumping them up about literacy in general. But, you know, Read Across America has also kind of shifted over time and there's more of a focus, not just on Dr. Seuss and his birthday, but also on just principles of compassion and diversity and inclusion and acceptance and things like that. So uh, trying to feature books that highlight those principles for our kids and help them understand that it's okay to be different and we wanna celebrate and encourage those differences as well through this project. 
Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And, you know, everything should grow. It points to continuous improvement where it's not the same thing every single year, but we continue to grow as as needs change. Tell us what you've got going on for Read Across America Week over there at uh, Morehead City Primary School, Ms. McCall. Okay, yeah, we got a lot of the same things that Ms. Golightly talked about. We're also doing a door decorating contest, um, which is a new thing for us this year. So we'll but same type of thing. It's going to be um, judged by our admin because I didn't want that pressure. Um, but I'll tied into like literacy and books. And um, I think we're excited to see what's going to happen with that. Different dress up days um, going along with different themes. And we're excited. We're doing a new thing that we're starting this year called One School, One Book. That'll carry us through the month of March and really work to bring together um, a joy for reading, a culture of reading, kind of not just in our school, but in our community as well. So we've got a lot going on and are really excited. I tell you what, I'm excited too. And, and I get so excited around anything we do to promote literacy. One of the things I know about both of you and I just appreciate is your commitment to really connection, connection with all of the faculty, all of the staff members, all of the students, all of the families. And you just seem to do it in a way that just seems natural and seamless. But I'm sure there's a lot of purpose in the way you connect with others. Ms. Golightly, how do you ensure that the media center is really the center of the school and not just an afterthought? How do you make sure that you continue to be connected to all of the instruction taking place in the building? I think one of the important things to do is to be in that constant communication with your teachers and see what their needs are. What are they teaching? What do they need support with? Are there projects you could collaborate on to make it better, help them do some research? You know, I, I try to make sure that I'm, I'm there in whatever capacity I'm needed, you know, and just letting them know that. So I've been in a lot of their shoes before. I've been a classroom teacher. I've been a reading specialist and an ESL teacher. And so kind of knowing what they have to do and how big the job is, I want to support them in that. And I think that making connections with the kids and teachers, you know, helping them find that common ground with literacy is important too. You know, one of the things we're doing with Read Across America is featuring teachers favorite books. And so we're going to have a big display in the library. And that way the kids can check out, you know, if Miss Jones's favorite book is this book, I want that book because I love Miss Jones. And that gets them excited too and helps them build that bond as well. And so just anything around literacy where you can build that connection and community. I don't think that books are something that should occur in isolation. You know, I think that there's conversation there, there's connection, there's common ground you can find. And even little guys can find that common ground. So I, that's my goal is to build that kind of fertile soil to make that available to them. Absolutely. Miss McCall, how do you stay connected so well across the building and throughout all that's happening there in the Sandcastle? Yeah, I a lot of what Miss Golightly said, I, I totally agree with. I think it helps that um, I've been in this building for a long time. So I know a lot of the staff here already, which could be a, is a blessing, I think, I consider. Um, and also, I think it really helps that, that I've come from the classrooms. I, I'm very fresh, have very good ideas to what they're doing right now, but also kind of the stresses that they have and and how anything, any way that I do want to help, it needs to be more of a helping than a hindrance. And so I think sometimes when we're in the classroom, we, we can forget we don't realize what others have to offer. So I think, you know, creating things that are digital that I can send out that I can share with them um, just for whenever they have that time to peruse it or to look over it. And um, so they can see kind of what we're capable of 
of doing as a way to help because I think that everybody wants help. Just sometimes we don't know the best ways um, to get it. And they're, they're dealing with a lot right now and a lot of changes. And um, I definitely want to be supportive for them. So I'm trying to uh, reach out and do, you know, Google surveys and find out what it is that they need that we can help with. Um, and then anything that we are doing, like one school, one book, trying to do a lot of the work um, beforehand. Um, that way, when we present it to them, it is um, it's pretty much here. This is it on a silver platter. And now you can do it <laughs> just to kind of take that that off of their plate. because They've got a lot going on right now. I love that you both sounded extremely teacher centric when I ask you about connection. You both drew upon your past experiences as teachers and thought about and think about how to make this easier for teachers, how to make sure they know about what's available. And that's just absolutely, it, it resonates within me and I just absolutely love that. And I just want to just the, thank you for the work you're doing, for how innovative you've been, how flexible you've been, how you've ensured that the media center didn't just start collecting cobwebs and dust, that it stayed an active part of our students and teachers lives throughout this pandemic. And it's just a joy for me to be able to amplify your work and the work of your colleagues, not only across our district, but across the state and around the world who are ensuring that books are in the hands of children and that we don't lose that incredible opportunity they have. Ms. McCall, Ms. Golightly, you are my heroes. Thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you, it was fun, thank you. Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed our time with Mrs. Golightly and Mrs. McCall. Their flexibility and innovation have ensured that their media centers remain a vital part of students' learning lives. Speaking of those who are remaining a vital part of students' learning lives, thank you for spending time with me today, and thank you for all that you do for every student, every teacher, and every staff member. You are making a difference. If no one else has told you, I want you to know that I believe in you. Good day. Thank you for listening to the Ed Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.